morning. We're talking about that sense of connectedness with God and that sense of that internal rightness. And peace is really kind of contrasted with fear. And so we thought, you know, let's, let's talk about the fact that God brings us peace and he gives us comfort from our fears. And what happened, I think, for a lot of people this morning was when we started talking about fear, it triggered something inside it. Everybody got scared. And they're starting to think about all the kinds of things that they're worried about and all the kinds of things that might go wrong and all the kinds of things. That... And then all of a sudden the spirit changed and, and Michael is leading worship. He and Bill, they can sense that. And that's really a good introduction for where we're going this morning because what happens for us is that peace is one of those things at Christmas time that we talk about and we write on our Christmas cards. But we don't enjoy that very often in our culture. We don't really have that sense of connectedness and that sense of true, authentic, genuine, spiritual peace on the inside. Don't you find it kind of ironic that we, we sing about and we talk about and we write, around, write about peace on earth, goodwill toward men, but, but when you go to Kmart to get a Nintendo, you get pepper sprayed? Don't you think that that's kind of interesting? That we talk about peace on earth, but then when we come together with our families at Christmas time and we have our big family events, a lot of times they just degenerate into some big, huge shouting match. Now, that's my Christmas family tradition. Does anybody else have some of those in their family where, you know, you come together for the Christmas party and it's like it's a knockdown drag out instead of this joyful? I mean, the only time you see that kind of peace is on the Hallmark movies, Right. You know, they have the perfect Christmases, but the rest of us, you know, you know, when our families get together, those people are crazy. And so what I want to do this morning is, is I want to kind of move us beyond where we live every day in this concept of peace. And let's, let's go to where God wants us to be. Let's talk about peace as the angels promised it to us back there in Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2. If you've got your Bibles, turn there with me, if you will, please, to Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 2. We're going to be reading there in the passage of Scripture, page 724, if you find it there uh, in the Bible that you have in the the pews there. The angels come, and and the Scripture says in Luke chapter 2 and verse 8, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared. And the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. Let's talk about that concept of peace. And and again, like we said of joy last week, it's one of those very, very difficult and hard things to define. When we think about it, we, we use that term for peace all the time, but we don't really understand exactly what it is. And, and I'm going to, in just a moment, I warned Jay when I started working with this, I might rip this off and throw it away. So get the other one ready for me just in case I need it, Jay. It's making me nuts. Peace is the state of tranquility. It's what I don't have with my microphone right now. Peace is quiet or well-being. 
based on harmonious relationships. It carries with it the concept of a lack of disturbance because things are in their proper order and place and are united and correctly connected. At its core, peace rises from within. Now pay attention to this because this is the foundation. It rises from within when we are in right relationship with God, with others, and with self. And it's broken or disturbed when we are not. Now that's a long definition, okay? So let's back up, let's retract, and let me just kind of unpack that for you just a little bit. Peace is a state of tranquility. It's something that is going on on the inside. It's an internal peace. Quiet or well-being. It's that sense of everything is right. Everything is the way that it is supposed to be. Everything is the way that it is intended to be. It carries with it the concept of a lack of disturbance, that relationships are the way that they're supposed to be because things are in their proper order and place and they're united and correctly connected. All the pieces are in place and everything is functioning correctly. And its core, the very foundation of peace, it comes from that right relationship with God, from that right relationship with others, and that right relationship with self. And when those things aren't right, particularly that relationship with God, it doesn't matter what else is right. When the foundation is shaky, everything is shaky. Okay, so let's let's do what we did last week and let's kind of contrast it a little bit, uh, kind of illustrate it a little bit. Peace is some things and it is not other things. Peace is based in God. Now, in our world, what most of us think is that peace is based in circumstances. Some of us think peace is based in relationship with others. Some of us think that the foundation of peace is based in the events that are going on around us. When things are going on around us the way that we want them to, then we're peaceful. When things are going on or are not going the way that we want them to, then we're not. Listen, if you live that way, you will be jerked from place to place to place, from event to event to event. You will never truly experience authentic peace. If your sense of well-being is based in circumstances or events or what is going on around you, then you are at the whim of anything and anyone that comes your way. Ultimately, peace is based in a relationship with God. When you get that peace right, when you get that core relationship functioning correctly, when you're connected to Him and you have peace with Him and you're in right relationship with Him, then to a certain extent it doesn't matter what's going on around you. Because your relationship with the Father is right and the foundation is right and the internal connection with Him is right. Then everything else around you can fall apart. But because your foundation in Him is strong and steady, you'll be okay. True spiritual peace is based in God. It's not based in circumstance, events, or others. It's a state of being that we possess. It's not something that we go out and get and bring to ourselves. It's something that arises from within. It's not something... You can't sit down and go, I'm going to be peaceful. The Buddhist monks have been trying that for thousands of years. And they haven't gotten it right yet. Sit down and hum something and it'll make you feel better. Not so much. 
Because peace is this state of being internally. That's the third part. It's an internal part. It's not something that comes from an external influence. It's not those people. It's not those circumstances. It's not those events. What we say to ourselves is, if I can just get these circumstances right, if I can just get that person to act right, if I can just get this event to go the way that I want it to go, then I will be peaceful. And as Dr. Phil says, how's that working for you? It's good for about 15 minutes, right? But then those people insist on doing the wrong thing, Tony. They won't do what I tell them to do. They won't act the way I tell them to act. And then my peace is all destroyed. Because we allow it to be dependent upon other people. Peace works its way from the inside out, not from the outside in. Peace is something that arises from the heart and from the spirit. Not from the circumstances and events and people that surround us. Peace is dependent on God. It is not dependent on others. If you allow your sense of peace to be dependent upon other people, it's going to be transitory. It's going to fly away. It's going to disappear. Peace is ultimately spiritual fruit. It's something that grows in the spirit as a result of relationship with God. It is nourished by relationship with God. It is strengthened by relationship with God. It's produced by relationship with God. It's a, it's a spiritual fruit. It's the result of a right relationship with God. It's not some emotional attitude that we create or that we enjoy based upon the things that are going on or not going on around us. You see, at its core, peace ultimately starts with God in relationship with Him. And unless and until we get that part right, nothing else is going to be right. Nothing else is going to function the way that it is intended to function because we are created for relationship with God. And as Augustine said that we are all created with that God-shaped hole in our heart, and our heart is never going to know peace. Our heart is never going to know rest until it finds its peace and rest in Him. So let's talk this morning about some peacemakers or peace breakers in our heart and life, okay? As we think about it, we really think about peace in three different ways. We think about peace with God. We think about peace within And we think about peace with others. Okay, so if you've got your Bibles, turn with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 2. And we're going to begin reading there right where we stopped just a few moments ago with the angels speaking to the shepherds. It says in verse 13, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Peace with God is the foundation of everything else. Let me repeat that. Peace peace with God is the foundation of everything else. If you don't get that part right, nothing else is going to work. Nothing else is going to function. Nothing else is going to be the way that it's supposed to be. 
Because you see, ultimately, peace is about being connected to Him. That's what we were created for. We were created for relationship with God. We were created for fellowship with God. We were created to be in connection with Him. And when, when that relationship was broken because of sin, then our heart began to search for that peace in everywhere and every other person possible. And we can find something that faintly resembles that temporarily. But it never lasts. Because ultimately, we are created for that relationship with Him. And if we don't have that relationship with the Father functioning the way that it's supposed to function, then it doesn't matter what else is going on around us. Have you ever been in that situation where, where everything around you is just the way it is supposed to be? For that, for that moment in time, the people around you are in good relationship with you and with one another. Things are going well at work. Finances are okay. Um, uh, the kids are doing well in school or you're doing well in school if you're one of the people that are in school. Every, everything around you, all the circumstances, all the events, all the people are just the way they should be. And yet on the inside, there's, there's something missing. There's something that isn't quite right. There's something that's, that's not connected the way that it's supposed to be. And when people come in and they say that to me, they say, you know what, I don't have any reason to be upset. I don't have any reason to be out, out, of, out of order. I don't have any reason for things not to be functioning well, but, they, but they, 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 they're all the way they're supposed to be. But there's, there's, you know, sometimes I pray and, and I wonder if God hears me. I wonder if God... What they're saying is everything is okay around me, but internally I know that things aren't the way that they're supposed to be. Because you see, we were made for relationship with God, and when that part isn't right, nothing is right, no matter how well the other pieces are going. Turn with me, if you will, please, to the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. The Apostle Paul is talking about this foundational relationship with God, And I want you to notice what he says here, beginning in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12. He says, remember that at that time, at the time before you knew God, at the time before you were in relationship with Him, he is saying to the Ephesian Christians. He's saying there was a time in your life when you did not have relationship with God. There was a time in your life when you did not have relationship with the Father. He says, remember at that time you were separate from Christ... You were excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise. He said you didn't know anything about what God was doing through the Old Testament law. You didn't know anything about the Father. You didn't know anything about Israel. You didn't know anything about spiritual matters. You were foreigners to the covenant of the promise. You were without hope and you were without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself, Christ himself, is our peace. That's why when the angels arrived, they said, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men. Not just some generic sense of well-being, but peace that came 
to heal the relationship, the broken distance between God and man in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has, been, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. The sin that separates our heart from the heart of God has been paid for and that dividing wall has been torn down. By abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in one new man, creating in himself one new man out of two, thus making peace. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross. Here's what Paul is saying. There is a time in our life when we did not know God, when we were without relationship with the Father. Because at the moment that sin entered the world through the disobedience of Adam and Eve, those who were created by the Father to be in right relationship with Him were torn apart. Now there's a distance. Now there's a dividing wall. Now there's a brokenness of that relationship because of sin. And the reason that when we prayed, we didn't feel as if God heard us is because our sin kept us separated from the Father. And yet in the person of His Son, Jesus Christ, the Father healed that broken relationship. When Jesus came to die on the cross, He came to die and pay the price for the sin of the world. He came to die and pay the price for my sin. So that that barrier, that dividing wall of sin has been torn down. That distance has been crossed and bridged through the person of His Son, Jesus Christ. Now the Father no longer is looking to bring justice upon those who have sinned and who have turned their back and walked away from Him. But because of the blood of Jesus Christ, those who were far away, the Father and mankind have been brought back together into relationship and that becomes functional in my life when I kneel before the Father and I say to Him I have sinned will you forgive me will you allow the blood of your Son Jesus Christ to pay the price for my sin so that now that distance will be crossed and that relationship will be healed and that closeness will be reestablished so now when I pray I know the Father hears me And he took those who were far away and he brought them back together through the person and the work of his son, Jesus Christ. That's why when the angels showed up that night, they looked upon the shepherds and they said, Peace to men on whom his favor abides. When God looks at mankind now. His favor abides upon us because of the work of Jesus Christ. That relationship can be healed and that distance can be bridged. And that happens one-on-one when we choose to put our faith and our trust and our confidence in the person and in the work of Jesus Christ. And when that happens, we have that internal sense of well-being and rightness. And that which was broken healed, that which was separated brought back together. 
that's the piece that is the foundation for everything else. And unless and until we have that piece, it really doesn't matter what else is going on in our life. It doesn't matter how good all the other pieces are. That's why you'll sometimes look at people who have everything in life going exactly the way that it should. And yet they are desperately dissatisfied on the inside. Because that core foundational relationship with the Father, the one that permeates and affects everything else, is not yet healed and restored. And this morning, if you find yourself in that position, if you find yourself saying, you know, I don't know why I'm restless. I don't know why my heart is not at peace. I don't know why I don't have that sense of well-being. There's nothing in my life that should keep me feeling the way that I feel. There's nothing that's out of order. There's nothing that's out of place. You know, the finances are in a good place and the health are in a good place and my, my school is in a good place and my work is in a good place. My family is in a good place. Everything is right. Everything is good. Everything is the way that it should be. And yet on the inside, I'm not satisfied. What that means is that core relationship with the Father isn't the way that it should be. And unless and until you get that part right, nothing else functions correctly. It's going to continue to gnaw away from the inside out. That's why the angels said to the shepherds, peace on earth. It's not about the ending of wars. It's not about cultural and societal ills being fixed. It's not about any of those things. Because until God is finished working in this world, none of those things are going to disappear. It's about having your relationship with the Father in right order. And then all the rest of it will begin to feel right as well. Peace with the Father is the single most important thing that we can have. The second thing that he talks about here is peace within. Sometimes even when we have that peace with God... It doesn't feel very peaceful on the inside. Look at what happens here in Luke chapter 1. As the angel comes, angel Gabriel comes and he speaks to Mary and begins to talk to her. In the sixth month, verse 26, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. So her relationship with the Father is right, correct? The Lord is with you. The Lord is present in your life. The Lord is, the Lord is here. Her relationship with the Father is right, but look at what takes place next. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Now, now I thought, Pastor, you just got through saying that when your relationship with the Father is right, then everything else is going to function correctly. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that sometimes your heart isn't troubled. That doesn't mean that sometimes circumstances and events don't upset the apple cart a little bit. 
How do you deal with that? How do you function with that? Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary answered, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. Now look at verse 38. I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Her relationship with the Father is right. She is in right relationship with Him. She's serving Him. She's being obedient to Him. And yet all of a sudden, God does or God allows something to happen to her which calls for trouble. The word means to be agitated. It means to be puzzled. It means to be upset, to be confused. She's in right relationship with the Father, but she doesn't understand what God is doing. Have you ever ever been in that place with God? Where you're walking with Him, you're connected with Him, you're serving Him, and yet all of a sudden, He allows something or He causes something that just doesn't seem to make sense. And all of a sudden, that sense of equilibrium, that sense of connectedness, that sense of internal peace and well-being is upset by what God is doing in your life. You know it's Him... But but you can't trace his hand. You don't know exactly why and what he's doing and why he's allowed this to come your way. How do you find peace in those circumstances? When your relationship with the Father is right, and yet he's let something come your way which which upsets you, which troubles you, which confuses you or puzzles you. Let me give you a couple of suggestions here that I think will help. Number one. Embrace it before you understand it. Oh, that's not much fun, is it? <laughs> that, that makes me want to wiggle, too. <laughs> you embrace what God is doing before you understand and have all the pieces fall in place. There's a song that was out here a couple years ago. I don't know if you remember it. Uh, when you can't... Trace his hand. Anybody remember the second half of that? Trust his heart. When when you don't understand what he's doing, when when you can't trace, when you don't when you when you can't put the pieces together, Mary Mary was troubled, Mary was confused, Mary was puzzled, Mary was upset, she didn't get it. Not because her relationship with the Father wasn't right, her relationship with the Father was fine. But she just couldn't understand what he was doing and why he was allowing this to happen. And yet, before she came to grips with all of it, before she put all the pieces in place, she says in verse 38, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Embrace it before you understand it. Uh, It's very difficult. 
may it be to me as you have said. Secondly, listen to what God tells you. He never misleads you. He never misspeaks. He never leads you down a path with words that don't disclose what he's about. Sometimes he doesn't tell you what he's all about, but when he speaks, you need to pay attention. He, through the angels, told her exactly what was going to happen and why. So when you're in one of those places, when you're in one of those times where you don't understand what God is doing, go back to where he has spoken Go back to the Word, go back to the Scripture, and search it for His direction in that area of life. Quite often what you will discover is that He's already spoken to this issue that you're concerned or confused or are upset about. You just need to find it here in His Word. Third thing that you need to do is you need to seek godly counsel from someone who is wiser. You need to find someone who has already walked that path, who's already covered some of that ground, who's got a little bit different perspective, a little bit larger viewpoint than just the personal and just the individual and just what's going on in me and get them to help you. I remember years and years and years ago, probably been 15 years ago now, I I was uh, fairly young uh, in ministry at the time and... and um, Somebody came with a, with a big offer. They were like, you know what, here's what we want to do for you. We, we are convinced that you are our next pastor. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to double your salary. We're going to give you this, and we're going to give you this, and we're going to give you this. Basically, you just come to this, come to this new place, come to this new position, and, and, and come to this new area, and, and we're just convinced that you're our guy. And, man, from the outside looking in, it was a good one. I looked at that, and I thought, mm, boy, I want to go there. They're going to give me a new car every year. They're going to help me buy a big house. I mean, they put all that stuff out there. You ever had anybody put all the stuff out there? And so, I was ready. There's only one little problem. This little redhead in my life, man. She's causing me trouble. I don't know what her problem was. She's like, mm, I don't know about that one. I went away to a pastor's conference. I happened to be there, and they had... They had the opportunity, Bill, for me to meet with a man who had been a pastoral counselor who specialized in pastors for about the past 30 or 40 years. Uh, I don't know if you know Tom Rogerson from Centerpoint up in the Baptist Convention of Maryland, Delaware area, but he's been around for a long, long, long time. And I sat down with him, and I was kind of working with him, and I said, you know, hey, i got this big offer, this big deal and everything, and, and I, wanted, I think this is a good one, and my wife isn't so sure, and... And, and I think this would be one that I want to go to. What do you think? So he asked me just two or three or four questions. And then he looked at me, you know, and he says, can I tell you something? I don't know if you know yet, but any time that a counselor asks you for permission to tell you something, the right answer to that is no. <laughs> because what they're doing is they're getting ready to tell you something that you don't want to hear. He looks at you and he says, may I tell you something? And I'm like, sure. And I was dumb. I didn't know any better. And he said, I would wish for you that before you stepped into something like that, you would be a little more seasoned. 
Now, what does that mean? Anybody want, anybody want to take that one on? What does that mean? You're not ready. It's going to hurt you. There's a reason why they're throwing stuff at you. You better pay attention. You're going to get in over your head. There's going to be a problem. There's going to be something going on. Now listen, listen. When the person that is closest to you in your life and loves you more than anyone else is warning you. And when someone who is wise and experienced is warning you, you might want to pay attention. Mary packed her bags and she went to see Elizabeth. So that Elizabeth could help her process what was going on. When you when you don't when you don't you're not able to do it yourself. When you can't get perspective, when you can't get enough dispassionate distance in order to be able to make an accurate good decision, seek godly counsel from someone wiser, someone more experienced, someone that's got a few miles under their belt. And it will help you. It will help you. And allow for time to bring perspective and focus. Nine months later, ten months or so, on the eighth day when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. And when the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as is written in the law of the Lord. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And Simeon took him in his arms, and he praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. And Mary is standing there hearing this blessing that Simeon is pronouncing. That all mankind is going to be blessed through the one that he holds in his arms. And that peace is embodied here in this young child. You need to allow for time to bring perspective and focus. You may not get it today. You may not get it tomorrow. You may not get it next week. You may not get it next month. You may not get it next year. It might be 10 or 15 or 20 years down the road before what God is doing makes sense. But embrace it before you understand it. Listen to what he is telling you. It was all written right down there for her. Seek godly counsel from others. And as you do those things, that puzzlement, that confusion, that disturbance on the inside begins to subside. And you begin to draw back into that place where you know that it's okay. Because you can trust Him. And when you have that peace in place... 
within all the circumstances and events surrounding you that seem to be out of place, that don't seem to come into focus, those can wait. Because you can rest in Him. There's an old, old hymn. It's called, It Is Well With My Soul. Anybody know that one? A few of you? Do you know the story behind it? A young man, a young lawyer, a fellow by the name of Horatio Spafford, very successful in business in Chicago back in the late 1800s, uh, had a vast, not vast, but had a very large successful practice and then kind of uh, branched out into other areas of business and was being, doing exceedingly well, making a lot of money and invested a lot of money in real estate in Chicago. Then there was this little matter of a fire. He lost practically everything. And then a little after that, lost a son who died very unexpectedly. Didn't shake his faith, didn't rattle his faith. He decided that he and his family needed to take a, a vacation. He was going to go to Europe. He was going to work with Moody, D.L. Moody and Sankey, Ira Sankey, who was a great uh, revivalist singer and Moody, obviously the great evangelist. He was going to go work with them overseas. And at the last moment, some business stuff came up and he put his wife and his four daughters on a steamship and sent them to Europe in order to go ahead of him while he stayed back to do a little bit of business. A few days out at sea, the boat that they were on was struck by another boat. It went down in 12 minutes. A little later, he received from his wife a telegram from Wales. Two words. Saved alone. His four daughters died in the catastrophe. He got on a boat and he started going to meet his wife. And tradition has it that when he reached the place where his daughters had drowned, he went to his room and he sat down and he began to write a song, a hymn. I want you to listen to some of the words. But don't just listen to the first verse. I want you to listen to the third. Because in the middle of the circumstances, in the middle of the upset, and in the middle of this incredible loss and grief, he writes, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. 
O my soul. You see, when your relationship with the Father is right, even the most terrible, unimaginable, painful circumstances can be endured. And not only endured, but overcome. Because your heart is connected to the heart of the Father. And though you don't understand what He's doing, you can embrace it. My hope for you this morning is that as we talk about and sing about peace with God, that that would be a reality for you. And if you're here and you don't yet have that peace with Him, it's very, very easy. You simply kneel before the Father. And you look to heaven and you say, I have sinned. Father, will you forgive me because of what your son did on the cross? I open my heart and my life to you, ask you to come and live within. And I know that there are going to come times when I'm not going to understand what you are doing. But in those times, I'm going to trust you anyway. My hope and my prayer for you this morning is that peace will be more than just something that you write on a Christmas card. That peace will be something that you enjoy in your heart. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for the opportunity that we have to have peace with you and peace within. God, I ask that here in this next few moments, as we bow our heads before you and as we sing the words of that song, it is well with my soul. That they won't be just be empty words. But it will be a testimony of truth. That no matter what event, no matter what circumstance, no matter what upset is around us this morning. Because our heart is grounded in you. It is well with our soul. And for those who cannot sing that. Because within their heart is not connected. I pray that in this next few moments they'll bow their head. Open their heart. Receive the forgiveness that you offer. So that when we sing those last few words, they will be real. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
God did not give you peace just for yourself. I know there are people, God, searching for peace all around me. People with empty, restless, broken hearts needing you. I ask you to show them to me. I ask you to give me the courage to go and look for them. I ask you to give me the words to speak and the actions to take that make your peace clear to them. God, give me the courage to walk across the room. With all my heart, I say to you, here I am. Send me. And when you speak, I will be quick to hear, quick to go, quick to share your peace. My hope and prayer for you this week is you'll be one that brings peace to other people. Amen. Let me just share with you a few um, things for this week. As we know, that this week is Christmas Eve, and as pastors talked about uh, peace, one of the ways that you can hopefully share that is to invite people uh, to our services so they can come and really experience God's presence at our Christmas Eve services, our 5 o'clock family service, uh, which is being led mostly by our children, and it's a family service, and then our 8 o'clock candlelight service, primarily more for older kids and, and adults. Uh, there's no child care at either service, so just uh, pick the service that fits your schedule and is appropriate for your family. We would love to have you be here. And then also you'll notice in the worship program and at the Welcome Center there are invite cards uh, for you to... Um, to fill out or to take and invite people uh, to our Christmas Eve services. Um, then also, I just wanted to share with you a, a quick report about our uh, giving place. Uh, the giving place is um, where we have collected stuffed animals and some other things to uh, give to the schools. And um, we actually um, challenged the children's wing to see how many uh, stuffed animals they could bring and say we'd give them a prize. Well, we had over 800 stuffed animals come in in the last three weeks. That is a lot of stuffed animals. <clears throat> so, so many that, in fact, is not able to be able to give each child that the schools have identified that needed gifts for them and for them to give. But then the schools have what they call these incentive stores that help, I guess, reward the children for things. And so each school has like 70 or 80 extra stuffed animals so they can use those throughout the year. And then a number of them also went to Tyler Heights. And then as far as the gift cards also, if you still want to donate towards Giving Place, you may do that. At this point, we are covered as far as the families that the school has already identified for us. We've already been able to purchase gift cards for all of those families. So we wanted to thank you for your generosity uh, for that. So um, it's just been a real... Uh, we, we were going to originally do five schools. We only did four because one of the schools that we were going to do, another church that was more local to them, said, we want to come and help all these kids. And so we said, that's great. So another... Another church did the school down in Shadyside, so we actually helped Mayo and Edgewater and Central and uh, the Lothian school systems uh, with their needy families. And then also, if you'll just notice in your worship program, the, uh, the vision offering, you'll notice in there it has a report. And right now we're a little bit over $118,000 for our goal of 125 with some other gifts that we know are coming in. So let me just encourage you again, if, if you haven't given and God's encouraged you to do that, just pray about that. And uh, that offering is open uh, through the end of the year. But we look forward to seeing you next week on Christmas Eve. And then we also have a Christmas Day service at 11 a.m. We'd love to have you uh, that Sunday morning also. Have a great week.